so those of you who didn't know I was preaching this morning, I'll give you a minute if you want to call and move your lunch reservations 15 minutes earlier because <laughs> it'll probably be a, be a quick one. <laughs> uh, so whenever I first moved to Joplin, uh, I started hopping around to a bunch of different churches. Um, I wasn't plugged into one, and my friend, uh, he started volunteering at this really small church just outside of town. And uh, they were celebrating their 75th anniversary, which is pretty crazy. And, and uh, no, you're good. And uh, <laughs> so I decided to go to their 75th anniversary because that's, that's a pretty big deal. And one of my Ozark professors was actually like, speaking at it. And I show up to this church. It's really small. I walk in. It's really old. Like, you could just smell the age in there. And I sit down in their pews, because they still had pews. And uh, I'm listening to a sermon. And I'm just thinking in my mind, like, what's the draw? What's the draw? There's, there's 25, maybe 30 people here. Eight of those are kids that they bust in. Like, like what's the draw? What, what's keeping this church going? And my professor, like, as he's speaking, uh, he brings up the fact that this church uh, because it's been around for 75 years, the impact that they have had is something that we could never even quantify. Like, we can't even see the ripple effect that it's had through the generations. They've had a huge generational impact purely because they have existed for 75 years. And in that moment, I was a little convicted uh, for judging the church in, in that moment. But uh, the more I thought about it, the more I realized, like, I don't know if I want my church to be known for being a monument, uh, but I want it to be known for being a movement. I want my church to do something, to make an impact in the area that we are in. And so I feel like all of my sermons are pretty much the exact same whenever I get up here. It's about the church being the capital C church. And today is, is no exception. Uh, before I jump right into it, I, I want to pray really quick. Dear God, I thank you so much for everyone here. I thank you for the opportunity I have to speak. Lord, I pray that you would speak through me, that you'd fill me with the Holy Spirit. That would be your words, not my own. I pray that you would get the glory and not myself. In your son's amazing name I pray, amen. Okay, so my goal this morning is to be a little annoying. I'm going to repeat a phrase over and over and over again. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? And one of my professors, while I was at Ozark, he would have us write that in our Bible whenever we came to a section of scripture that was just a little bit hard to apply. Uh, a section of scripture that just didn't seem like it was culturally relevant today. He would have us write D-Y-B-T question mark. Do you believe this? Do you believe this enough to have the faith it takes to apply this to your life? Do you believe this enough for it to change the way you, you look at the church and the way you look at your family and friends? Do you believe this? Because as we approach the scripture today, I want you to approach it with that question. Do you believe this enough for it to change the way you look at not only this church, but the church as a whole? And Francis Chan, he has a line, it doesn't make sense to teach the scriptures and not expect change. It would be completely useless for me to be up here and I could go over any scripture in the Bible, but if you're not expecting change, it's completely useless. You could read your Bible every single day, but if you're not expecting change, it's meaningless. I go to God in prayer, but I'm not expecting him to come into my life. What am I doing? And so again, before we jump into the verses that we're going over today, I want you to be honest with yourself. Do I believe this? 
And we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 this morning. I'm going to go over verses 12 through 13, and then we'll skip down and go to the, the illustration that Paul gives. Verses 12 through 13. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. This is the beginning of his illustration that's going to go on for probably the next eight verses. Uh, but the reason I wanted to sit out these two verses is because he uses the word all twice in verse 13. And he uses all in relation to all of us being filled with the one spirit. So whenever he's writing this to the church in Corinth, he's saying all of you, all of you are filled with the spirit. And then he says uh, previously in verse 7, to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. That means every Christian in Corinth that's hearing this, they're each filled with the spirit. Every Christian that's hearing this today, they're filled with the spirit. Why? For the common good. Not for self-glorification, not to promote their own interests, but for the common good. What this does is it prevents anyone from slipping through the cracks. It prevents anyone from not doing something. You have to do something. You are filled with the Spirit. You are called to make an impact on the body of Christ. And that's what he's saying here right at the very beginning. So do you believe this? Do you believe this? And do you believe this enough for it to be relevant and show up in your life? Because you can say all day, I believe I'm filled with the Holy Spirit and I'm going to make an impact on the church. But then uh, if you were to look at your own life, are you doing that? Are you living that out? If I were to have a person up here that had no biases or presuppositions whatsoever, we show them in the Bible what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. And if they were to follow me around for a week, I can almost guarantee you they would say, you're falling way short, Weston. You're not even relying on the Holy Spirit to do simple things. You're not stepping out in faith at all. Everything you're doing, you could do on your own volition, your own will. When are you going to step out in faith, dwell in your gifting, and do what the Holy Spirit has called you to do in the body of Christ? If that person were to follow you around, would you be just as guilty as I am? Do you believe this? Now, Paul, he jumps right into his illustration. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. If you're counting how many times I've said body, it's about 53 at this point, just because this verse. I, I, originally, I had it all written out where I read the entire thing, but it's literally just body over and over again, and it like, made me stumble, so I had to split it up a couple times. Uh, but what this is saying is saying the all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving God who's created billions and billions of people uniquely created you different from anyone else. And not only were you uniquely created, you're uniquely gifted to impact the kingdom of God in a different way. Are you doing this? Do you believe this? Do you believe you have a role that you need to be filling? 
in the body of Christ. We all, we all love hearing that we're good at something. I, I remember reading uh, this thing online about how uh, males don't get compliments very often, so when they do, like it sticks with them for their entire life. And then it just went on how uh, these guys were just listing these random obscure compliments they got in like second or third grade that they remember now as grown adults. Like we love hearing things that we're good at. Whenever I read this, what I read is, you're good at something. You're gifted to do something. God created you to make an impact not only in the, this church, small C church, but the capital C church, the, the kingdom of God as a whole. Do you believe that enough for it to impact your life? This past Thanksgiving, I spent it in Willow Springs with uh, my dad's side of the family and my grandpa, uh, he was uh, in the nursing home and uh, we knew it was probably going to be uh, the last Thanksgiving we got to spend with him. And we were uh, in the room and uh, he just kept telling us over and over and over again just how much he loved us. And we started talking about how my sister is in ministry, my brother's in ministry, and I'm in ministry. And he's just saying, like, you guys can do this. And he mentioned my school, and he said, like, you can do this, and you can do that. And he just listed a couple of things. And I remember leaving that day thinking, man, if only I were half the person he thinks I am. I wish I could live up to the expectation he has of me. But then whenever I think about God creating me, God gifting me, God making me the individual that I am. He did the same thing intimately to you. He created you and gifted you and expected you to do something with those gifts. He has that expectation for you, that loving expectation, knowing that you can meet it, not because you're something special or great, but because he's dwelling inside of you. Because the Holy Spirit is unifying us as the body of Christ to do something, not to be a monument, but to be a movement. And the God we worship is limitless and we are filled with God. The impact that we can have is limitless. If you believe that God is who he says he is and he's dwelling inside of you, that can't not affect the way you live your life. That can't not affect the way you, you go to work, what you do at church. Do you believe this? What I think that the church does is we glorify some of the sensational gifts, the gifts that put people up front, the gifts that we hear. And if we're being completely honest, I don't remember a single sermon that I heard from middle school and high school. And I don't remember a single lesson my youth minister did. Not that those didn't have an impact on my life because they shaped and molded who I am today, but the things that I remember, and I've told you guys this before, the things that I remember are the older ladies who came to our church and who made breakfast every Monday morning so that us high schoolers could eat and spend that time together before we went back into school. I can't think of a worse group to be around than high schoolers on a Monday morning, but they did that out of love for us. That I remember. I remember my friends who were scared to death to be in front of people, going in front of the church to do the communion prayer and then pass the plates. I remember the food, the gas account, and the lodging that was given to my family whenever my dad had his brain cancer scare and we had to go to Kansas City all the time. I remember the people coming up to me as I'm walking through the halls of the church and just giving me random encouragement, things that built me up. I remember, uh, I, guys, I told you guys, the guy that gave me a Coke whenever I was in middle school in uh, the Ozark dorm. Those are the things I remember. The things I remember are when the church was the church. 
the things that impacted my life and put me in the place that I am today are when the capital C church was the church. It's called to be. Not when someone with some sensational gift got on a stage and gave a rousing sermon. No, it was when the people who filled the seats chose to use their God-given gifts to impact my life. That same impact is the impact we are called to have every single day. Just think about what our church could do. Think about what we could do as the unified body moving together. What this verse does is it means no one is useless. No one is useless. The, the body, it, it can't function without all of the members. You're going to have an impact. You're going to have an impact regardless of whether or not you do something because the body knows when a member is missing. The body knows when a member is missing. So again, I'm going to ask you, do you believe this? Do you believe this enough to see the weak spots in our church, the weak spots in our ministry, and step in there and say, I can do that because God has gifted me to do that? And so how do, how do we do this? We dwell in our gifts. We, we dwell where God made us strong. And the purpose of my sermon today is not to give you the, the spiritual gifts. It's to inspire you to use your gift. And so how do we dwell in our gift? You do what God created you to do. If that's to encourage people, then write them handwritten notes saying whatever you want to do. Like I've tried doing that, and I can't come up with any encouraging thing to write. Not that I'm just a, a mean person, but I just struggle. But the people who are great at writing encouraging notes, I have every handwritten note that's been given to me from high school up until now in a box in my room. Because people that were gifted with that ability did it for me. If you're gifted with the ability to pray and just pray a lot, I would be more than happy to come to the church, unlock it for you so you can walk through the chairs and pray about the people filling these seats. Or you could walk through the children's area and pray about all the kids that are coming over here on the bus. You could pray about the high school students and the middle school students while they're going off to school. If that's your gift, then use it. If you're incredibly like biblically literate, then go help the quizzers. That's literally what they're training to do. If you're a great teacher, I'm sure there's plenty of people teaching Sunday school right now that would willingly give up a Sunday to let you do your gift. You have gifts that we need to use. Are we using them? And I know it's really fun to think about the impact that we can have. It's fun to daydream about what we could be if only. If only. And again, we're going to have an impact regardless of whether or not we use our gift. What impact do you want to have? I don't know if you guys know who Nathan Hale is. Uh, he, he's credited with a saying a long time ago. He probably didn't actually say it, but I'm going to paraphrase it and make it Christian. I regret that I have but one life to live for my God. I regret that I have just one chance to impact this church right here so that we can make a difference on the lives of everyone in the surrounding area. I regret that I have one chance to reach the lost before I'm gone and no longer here and have that ability. I regret that I have one chance to use the gifts that God gave me to make a difference. I hate that I have just one chance to, to make an impact on them for only a couple of years. And the thing is, is you have that ability. And I really hope, 
I really hope you know where that is. I was listening to a sermon as I was preparing for this, and he was talking about American Idol. I don't know if you guys have ever seen American Idol before, but the first couple episodes of American Idol are rough. The people that can't sing at all, that think they can sing, they go up there and they just, they give it their all, and it is not good. It is not good at all. So what I think churches have become today is they've become a couple of Swiss Army Knife volunteers doing everything that they can, even if it's outside of their gifts, even if it makes them look like one of those American Idol singers that doesn't have what it takes. That's not what the church is called to look like. The body of Christ is people using their specific gifts to make an impact. It's not calling for two or three people to do everything. It's calling for the entire church to do everything. Ministry is not saved just for ministers. I don't know if you guys have read the book, uh, Letters to the Church by Francis Chan, but he is just ripping into the way churches run today because it's set up around churches or ministers leading congregations. And that's not at all the way it should be. It's not about a congregation meeting. It's about a church moving and doing something. And I have failed as a minister if I'm not preparing them to go off and do ministry on their own. If they are only coming on a Wednesday night to hear a lesson and talk to their friends, I have failed because I have not prepared them to use their gifts out in the world. We are failing as ministers if you are not leaving and using your gifts not only to impact this church, but impact your workplace, your families. So do you believe this enough? Do you believe this enough for it to impact your life?